Hello, everyone, and welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm MK. And I'm Sam. And what is up with you guys? It's November now. Um, spooky season has kind of come to a close, but it has. not on this podcast. Never on this podcast. No, no, no. It's spooky season all year round here. And, you know, even though Halloween's over, we do still have, like, the falling leaves and the crisp air and we've got Thanksgiving and the holiday season to look forward to. So I'm not too sad, even though I think October is both of our favorite season. Oh, October's not a season. Continue. You know what I mean. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, Thanksgiving can be considered part of spooky season. So, you know, we're still we're still, still kind of in the midst of it. That was a good one. I know it's definitely going to be extra spooky season this year because we don't have it. Our families, um, obviously, like we rotate which side of the family we spend Thanksgiving with. And Mary Kate's going to be with her other cousins. So I'm a little bit jealous, but it's okay. That just means you get Christmas content. Why does that mean? I don't understand why that means you get Christmas content. Because we get Christmas together is like. i'm so sorry listen we haven't we haven't recorded in a week or two so i need to get like back into the swing of things i'm sorry yeah yeah. listen listen it's okay i was like like, what do you mean by that (laughs) it just means that we'll be back in in person together during the christmas season so we'll have to do like an extra spooky christmas episode which are always maybe some cr- do, like, maybe get some Krampus up in here. That's the legend of Krampus. We could review that like Christmas horror movie. Oh, didn't we do that <gasps> yeah. last year? That better watch out. Oh my god, that was that was a great movie. That was a great movie. All right, Patreon idea: we watch Better Watch Out with all of the cousins, and then just review it as a big mosh. Um, I love that. Yeah, with everyone talking over each other and everyone like far away from the microphone. I love it. <laughs> It'll be really fun. It'll be a good time, at least for us. And honestly, so. we could also watch that movie Frozen. Um, not Frozen, the Disney one, but the one where they're stuck on the ski lift because we watched that all as a big mishmash uh, a couple of New Year's ago. <laughs> that movie <laughs> freaks me out. I think about it constantly when I'm like on a ski lift. I like no one can bring up skiing around me without me thinking of that movie like I really was like a pivotal moment in my in my my brain development all roads lead back to frozen they really do all right so this week's episode both Sam and I are in agreement that this was like a super fun episode to research yeah we are going where I guess before our Halloween Horror Nights, we were in New York, so we're going a little bit south. Just a little bit. To my home state. We're back in Jersey. Woohoo! New Jersey! New Jersey! And we're going to do the whole thing in Jersey accents. Well, apparently, some people think you have a Jersey accent, so I guess you get to just use your regular voice. I don't have to even put one on. I know. I don't know if I do. I get very mixed comments on that. I have a lot of people tell me that they can tell that I'm from Jersey and people that 
say that they would have no idea. So I think you definitely, I mean, yeah, you definitely don't have like a thick jersey. If you have one, which I don't think you have an accent, but if you do, it's definitely not like one of like the super thick, like Tony Soprano accents, you know? Yeah, I, well, thank you. (laughs) I think that I have it on like certain words, like, um, like I say horror instead of horror. Or I say like well, I say hard, uh, too. orange, orange instead of orange. I think that's yeah. like a Jersey thing, mostly. I but, do that too. So maybe I have a little, maybe I got a little joysy in me. <laughs> so this week we are headed to Port Monmouth, New Jersey, to a place known as the Seabrook Wilson House. And it's better known as the Spy House, which already. Spy House is a way cooler name. I love the intrigue. I've always had like a little bit of a fascination with spies ever since I went to the like International Spy Museum in DC. That place is fun. (laughs) Oh, it's not open anymore? No, it's permanent. Last I checked, it was permanently closed. I feel like a lot of DC, um, the Museum of Crime and Punishment, isn't that one? Didn't that one also close too? I was dying to go to that one. And I. It was really cool. don't think it's around anymore that's too bad because it was really cool from what I remember I it sounded really cool so anyway if you're into espionage and spy unfortunately I don't think the museum is open anymore but spy house is also not open anymore but oh (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry that's a horrible lead-in but you can go check it out um it is in, like, the site of it is in Port Monmouth, New Jersey. It is one of the oldest standing houses in the Bay Shore. Wow. And it's listed on both the National and New Jersey Re- Register of Historic Places. Okay. So, this place is pretty cool. And actually, it has, like, a little bit of a funny history behind it that led to it being on the Register of Historic Places, but I'll get into that in a second. So. Okay. The original house, which no longer exists, was built in 1663 or somewhere around that time by a man named Thomas Whitlock. And he had come to America in 1641 and he had built a one-room cabin for him and his family to live in. Then, the second owner was Thomas Seabrook. And if that sounds familiar, that's where the Seabrook and Seabrook Wilson house comes into play. I see, I see. Exactly. So he was pretty cool. He was a patriot with the New Jersey militia. And thanks to him, the the house became a two-story cabin through like a bunch of additions. So that's kind of like, it started to take its shape. Um, It's debated on whether or not it stayed with the Seabrook family and like how long it stayed there for. But some sources say that it stayed with them for over two centuries so, kind of cool. It's been um, in the family for a while. It, That's a lot. Exactly. It's like inherited, at, at least it was in there for 150 years, they think. Wow. The history was like a little bit shaky, but from what they were able to put together from like records and, and public land resources, they it, it was with the Seabrook family for a long time. And it was passed its way through like government officials, um, trade merchants, a whole bunch of different uh, occupations. 
Cool. And the house kind of reached its like physical final form in 1896 after all the additions had been done and it kind of like resembles its current form. And it's actually beautiful. It's like a white Yeah, it's super pretty. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I would love to visit. Unfortunately, I don't think you can go in anymore, but the house is still standing. So you can admire yeah. it from afar. Exactly. And you know what? Go to a nearby beach. Jersey beaches are lovely. I know Jersey gets a bad rep, but it does have some very nice landscape. It does. So it does. I don't know why we're, people call us the armpit of the United States. And I think that the people that are calling us that have only ever been to Newark airport. So. <laughs> and listen, let's, I say let people think it's the armpit because then there's less tourists in the summer and there's not as much traffic on the turnpike. Just saying. Oh my god. Turnpike traffic. Take the parkway. Bay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the two very like prominent families that owned the house. Obviously we have the Seabrooks and then also the Wilsons. So hence the name Seabrook Wilson House. So in the early 1800s, William and Martha Wilson took ownership of the house and it was originally a, a like a homestead and a farm until the early 1900s when tourism was introduced to like the Jersey shore through the invention of railroads and steamboats. And so that the house became an inn for visitors and it was known as the Bayside Manor. And then it was nicknamed the white house because it's this beautiful white house. Not super creative nickname, but it's a point of crime. Um, in 1960s, the house shut down and it fell into disrepair. But in 1974, it was added to the historic registry. And in 1976, on the bicentennial United States birthday, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes a museum and it's nicknamed the Spy House. Okay. But in the 1960s, I neglected to mention, in the 1950s and 60s, before the house fell into disrepair, it wasn't a museum, but it was kind of like a, um, I, I don't want to say like a bed and breakfast, but it was kind of like, it was just like a tourist destination that was like, come see this house that's been standing since the 17th century and take a tour of it. Right. And I think it had like little artifacts all around, but they weren't necessarily yeah. all from like the same time period or even from like the area right something like that yeah it was just kind of like a historic mishmash so it did draw like uh, it did draw tourists because yeah. there was nothing better to do in the 60s so um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk more about thomas seabrook though so like i said mm-hmm. he was a patriot in the jersey militia and there's some different variations of the story but this is the generally accepted one Okay. So Seabrook operated the house as a tavern at the time of the Revolutionary War, and it was frequented by British soldiers. And these so-called redcoats would come in, they'd get absolutely soused, and <laughs> they would start talking to, <laughs> they would start talking to Seabrook about their military operations and like certain plans that was coming up. And Seabrook would like take note of it, and he'd pass them along to the colony militias and also General Washington. Wow, okay. That gave the colonies, you know, some insider information. He was kind of like a reverse Benedict Arnold, if that makes sense. That's so true. Yeah, he was. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, unfortunately, very cool story, but we don't know if it's real. We don't have any real evidence, although nothing truly discounts the story. And historians argue that it could be at least partially factual. So it could have, he could have had like some conversations with the British military and, and passed that on. But we're not totally sure if the house actually operated as a tavern. At least there's no records of it. So maybe it was kind of like a speakeasy situation or maybe like he was selling to go cocktails like they did in the pandemic drive through cocktails. I don't know. <laughs> you drive through with your horse, like <laughs> pull up on your horse and you'll get a free margarita. And honestly, that's a pretty good deal. Like honestly, even if it wasn't specifically a tavern, even if there was any type of alcohol, I can totally see this being like, you know, they got loose lips and then they would spill the secrets yeah. and he took advantage of the situation, which is smart. Listen. I'm just saying, like, there's definitely some party houses at, like, colleges that don't identify as a tavern, and plenty of people get drunk there, so... Yeah, and spill secrets, etc. Etc, etc. This really is, like, the OG frat house, so... You could say that, yes. One could argue. (laughs) Likely, this whole story is just partial truths that's spun into a cohesive story, by a part-time caretaker of the house in the 1960s named Gertrude Needlinger. Gertie. Gertie. She was known for having a colorful imagination, and she's actually credited with being part of the reason that the house was added to the historic registry. So we're not totally sure if anything of note actually happened in this house, but Gertrude was telling visitors to the house that came to see like the artifact she was like you know this was you know a huge turning point in the revolutionary war and like secrets were swapped here between the two armies we have no record of this but she was just telling her own little tale and she's a big part of the reason that it was added to the historic registry honestly listen she came up with her own truth and she ran with it and even if she made it up that is that's not on her because the historic registry people should have been more diligent with fact checking stuff. And honestly, even if it didn't have all these significant things happen, it's still cool that it's preserved because it's like a, yeah. like, I mean, it was in a family for 150 years. It's, it was started in the 1700s. Like, yeah, I'm glad it was preserved. So thank you, Gertrude. Queen Gertrude, you slayed live your truth, babe. All right. I also have even more about Gertrude um, when we go to mine, so I'm kind of excited. That's all I really have on the history of this house, but I do know, I do know that it's also one of the most haunted places in America. So they say, America. That is what they say. They do say that it is one of the haunted places, most haunted houses in America. And we're gonna get into that. So I'm not really gonna go into any specific ghosts or anything i'm gonna give you an overview of the haunted happenings that go on here because while there may be like some specific ghosts throughout like i'm sure that people say they've seen like some of the um some like you know some of the people that lived in the house in the past a lot of it is like general hauntings so Hmm. i want to start with um some excerpts from an article in your favorite source, which is Weird New Jersey, 
Um, Love it. And they have an article called, Is the Spy House the Most Haunted House in America? So I'm going to read you a quick submission from someone named Ray. Um, No relation to the Ray that we know. Um, But this person, Ray, said, and it's just like a little ghost encounter that they had. This person said, One morning, my friend Dave's parents went to visit the old Spy House Museum in Port Monmouth. They were there at the appointed opening time, but the the curator wasn't there. After about half an hour of waiting, they said, the hell with it, and left. As they were getting back into their car, my friend's father looked up and pointed out at the kid, about 10 or 12 years old, looking at them from the upstairs window. His dad said that the kid had on one of those puffy shirts that they used to wear in the old days. As they watched, he slowly backed away from the window. Just then, the curator drove up and apologized for being late. They told her that they had seen a young boy in the upstairs window. She said no one was supposed to be in there. She opened the house up and together they searched the place but found no one. So. That's so freaky. Initial thoughts. Like, this is coming from Ray. Who is it's coming from David? Who it's coming from his parents? So it's a little bit, you know, a little game of telephone. But kind of creepy, right? Definitely. If you discount the fact that this has gone through now three different word of mouth retellings, but listen, I'm a believer. I'd like to believe that they saw that little ghost boy up there. There's nothing scarier than a preteen in a puffy blouse staring at you from a window. Exactly. Like, you know, so... Freak me out. And it does, it definitely does fit with the timeline. Like, you know, they were wearing puffy blouses back in the day, back in the 1700s and 1800s, and maybe even the 1900s. Okay, so then there's one more story um, from the same article, and this one was from a woman named Allie. And she said, On the way back from a very fun day at a water park in Keensburg, my dad decided to show my sister and myself the spy house. When we were When we got there, we looked into the windows. It was extremely dark inside and everything was locked. When we made it to the left side of the house, my dad noticed something moving inside the house. I just shrugged it off as nothing, but then when I was looking in the same upstairs window, I noticed that the rocking chair moved. I was scanning all the windows to see if I could see anything else unusual, and I clearly saw a man sitting in the rocking chair reading. I couldn't have been a rain... It couldn't have, sorry, it couldn't have been a ranger because he was wearing old clothes and sitting in the dark reading up in a locked house. We snapped a picture and ran. And as we pulled away, a ranger pulled up and unlocked the doors. So we assume it must have been a ghost. So there's definitely something going on with that upstairs window because these are two separate stories. Weird, right? That's so interesting. Yeah, so by that, it has to be someone in the Seabrook family or onward because they were the one that added the second story. Oh, so. that's interesting. Okay. So probably it was probably a Seabrook. I have an old rocking chair in my apartment that I took from my mom who got it when she like moved into the house and if I ever saw that thing rocking by itself, 
like for whatever reason that is so menacing to me even though it's like such like a mundane thing that I don't know why but I feel like that would freak me out more than like a door slamming you know like you know yeah because with door slamming you can you can explain it away somehow a lot of the time but with a rocking yeah there's something very menacing about a rocking chair rocking by itself I, I feel like it's like a big movie trope and it's just something creepy about it it just kind of feels like someone's like sitting there watching you and like waiting doesn't it yes yeah something i picture like a a creepy old person <laughs> so i know i said i wasn't gonna go over any specific ghosts because i wanted to go over like those two general stories first but now i want to go into a couple of ghosts there's like a we got a quick little cast list okay so the asbury park Ooh. press um wrote an article about the different haunts of the spy house and according to the article there is a woman named abigail who looks out the easternmost window on the second floor waiting for the ship that is to bring her husband home. So we don't know like which, if this is the same second floor window of the other two, I'm going to assume it's not. Cause like, that would be a really crowded room with, <laughs> with three ghosts, That'd but be crazy. yeah, it's pretty interesting. Right. Um, people say that there are also, people say that there are also little ghost. Ch- what did you say? What did you say? <laughs> it's the most haunted room in America. Yeah. Yes, I know. Seriously, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you're going to be bumping elbows with everybody. So um, they also, GPC is go- going crazy. No, you're fine. You're fine. So there are also um, ghost children that have been seen playing in the front lawn, which is kind of sad. Like how many children died here? Although I guess, I guess it was fairly common for kids to die. So it kind of lines up. Um, there is a... Okay, so I probably should have looked this up before now that I'm looking through my notes, but there is a someone named Robert who they describe as a hang dog pirate. Hang dog. Hang dog. I'm gonna look that up right now. Let's do a quick Google search for hang dog pirate. Let's see, what is a hang dog? Okay, having a dejected or guilty appearance or shamefaced. Okay, so okay, so they just were saying it was like a guilty pirate. <laughs> okay, so I guess there's a pirate somewhere around there um, who is, I guess, feeling guilty for his pirating ways. Um, there's apparently a ghost who sometimes will pinch women on their butt. Ooh. <laughs> <gasps> I know. I know. Cheeky, isn't he? And then, um, of course, finally, there is the basement where people sometimes feel like they're being choked or they can hear screams. So, the basics. You know how it is. They're playing the hits in this house. So, this same article, though, kind of takes a turn and it's like, okay, just to play, this isn't their exact wording, but they're like, just to play devil's advocate, like, let me also like like let me start by saying the Seabrook Wilson house has a very rich history, okay? But and this is where our girl Gertie comes back in. Just like how there was not really any historical record of these like uh spy things and historical revolutionary things happening in the house, there was no, there was no record of the house being haunted before Gertrude 
Neidlinger came on the scene. So she could have, I'm not saying she did, but she could have made up this entire thing. And I mean, I love her. if we're being, I know it's, she's, listen, if she did make this up, like good for her, because it's, it's so, it's so interesting. So Gertrude, um, she was actually a concert singer and she was also a comedian. So she was like a, definitely a show woman. Um, she loved the stage, loved being a star. Um, and so then obviously when she came back to the spy house, like you were saying, she was kind of like credited with turning it into what it is today, turning it into like this historical haunted landmark, right? Which is honestly really impressive. Even if she made everything up, it's pretty cool that she took this house and made it known as like one of the haunted, most haunted places in America. Yeah, doing that single-handedly is what a way to like, first of all, leave your mark on history and also like to preserve a very important piece of American history. Yeah, exactly. So whatever the case is, good for her. Um, she she would um, take people into the house and sometimes she hosted seances in the house um, where she said that spirits would like enter and like communicate. Um, she said that she would say um, there was like a 1984 recording um, that the Asbury Park Press article talked about where she said, there's a lady standing by the fireplace and she is very handsome. She is talking with a whole group of people about how to live with the Native Americans, but she doesn't use the word Native Americans, but um, she appears to have once been gravely injured. Um, and that was apparently like, she was like talking about some sort of, um, it like tied itself into another tale that um, Gertrude always told about a woman who was disemboweled by a Native American hunting Ooh. party, but then was, quote, nursed back to health and went on to live to 110. So I don't know what is going on here. There's a lot going on. Because disemboweled and then lived until 110. No, that's spooky. 110 without being disemboweled is quite a feat <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> having your bowels be outside of your body and then have having them put back in and then having them function for another however many years. However long? Like, what do you mean? And, like, I'm just so confused. Like, is this... Like, did she... Go. Has she I was, up to, I was just, or to like long life? Do you have to? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, do, you tell me, Penelope Stout. And also, <laughs> like the like, is all this lore? Like, if Gertrude is making up all this lore, that's crazy. Like, that is so much detail, and she's like interweaving all these stories, and then having them like show up to her seances. So if this is made up, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> I think I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, she seems. Yeah, she actually seems like pretty awesome. Um, but then at the end of that, um, at the end of that article from the Asbury Park Press, <laughs> so there's like the line about how she was nursed back to health and went on to live till age 110, and then the next line is, "All of it was made up," said Greg 
Kajanio, a blogger who lives who lectures in New Jersey. I just thought that was so funny. It was like the next quote was like, all of it was made up. So why did they have to do my girl Gertrude like that? Why couldn't they I know let her rock? They want to believe. Right. And it's just so I'm like, and I know I keep saying this, but it's just so funny to me that like if she did make this up, like she duped so many people like so many people like are saying this is the most haunted this is the most haunted house in the entire world and they're saying oh we had to put this on the national registry like look at all these crazy things that happened we have to preserve it and like she literally pulled it out of her butt like that's funny that would be so funny (laughs) i officially like i i just i want to meet this woman i wonder if she's still alive I want to say, if I had to guess, I'm going to say no, because I feel like she was older when she was, like, doing the tours and stuff in the 80s. I could be wrong, though. Um, I really would love to, like, I would love to meet her. I, I It makes me want to come up with, like, a place, like, think of a good place that I can, like, make yeah. up a story about and, like, start giving tours and, like, be the expert on and no one can question it because, like, I'm the only one that knows the history and the haunts of it. Yeah. So, like, if anyone question, like, I can, like, make it up as I go. Like, that sounds kind of fun. I am literally going to do this with my house at home. Yeah. You should. You should do it with your apartment, actually. That would be funny. That would be crazy. Could you imagine if I was just, like, there are three ghosts in my closet <laughs> and also one in my bathroom? <laughs> and also one that hides in the bathtub sometimes. Like... So this, it's funny because like the spy house, it could be haunted. It could have been historically important. Is it an East Coast haunt? It's on the East Coast, but the rest of it is up to you. <laughs> like, I don't know. This is a subjective haunt. Even if it's not like... <laughs> a subjective haunt. <laughs> this is... <laughs> you choose what to believe. That's the best way I could put it. But even if this is not like confirmed paranormal activity like this is like a fun ghost story you know what i'm yes. saying and you know what it's fun because it doesn't seem like anyone like there's no like there's at least from what i read like there aren't any like tragic stories with this it's all just kind of like fun stories like people living their lives yeah and so and then maybe they come back because they liked living in the house you know what i mean like it's kind of fun and gertrude is a holler that's a fun way to like come out of spooky season where we had like obviously like the um Amityville horror was like pretty intense yeah like so heavy yeah and like our last two like Sleepy Hollow and also this one have been kind of like a little bit lighter like more like fun spooky so maybe we'll have to do something truly horrifying next next I actually think I think I know what we should do next um (gasps) And it's, it's one that I, I think I've told you about. So we'll discuss it after we end the recording. No spoilers for you guys. No spoilers at all. But thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed another New Jersey edition of East Coast Haunts. Let us know what other states we should do. Um, if you want more New Jersey, let us know. If you want us to venture out of the East Coast, let us know and we'll think about it. We know. could be convinced. And we... You know well, we'll be back soon. What? Why? Why? I kind of feel like we need to pay like the Carolinas some love, you know? Yeah, because we've only done two, right? We did the battleship and um, 
some somewhere that had a that was like a yeah oh the old jail and then the um the nine mile house with Lavinia Fisher. oh yeah with Lavinia Fisher Lavinia yeah so okay yeah we should okay. yeah let's do it I think we're gonna I think we're fixing to be heading down south real soon that was so bad <laughs> said yeehaw like we're headed to texas but anyway, yeehaw. i think that's a good time that this episode needs to be ended that's a wrap that's a wrap and wrap it up until next time we're just two ghouls creeping it real creeping it real um bye 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 that was-